The Rod and Staff podcast comes out of the host's passion for Christ and his church. It exists to encourage a deeper engagement with issues that pertain to doctrine and life. Check us out at rodandstaff.org. Welcome to the Rod and Staff podcast. I am your host, Roger, along with my co-host, Jason, and we are back for another episode. I should probably first apologize for the bad audio quality in the last two podcasts. It's all Jason's fault, so you can send him any comments. No, I think we figured it out on what had happened, so hopefully this is a better uh, audio quality for you in this episode and ongoing Listen, that's what you get for putting me in charge of the techie stuff, uh, Roger. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> okay, it's not true. I, I didn't handle it, but it would be even worse if I handled it. <laughs> yes, it would. But uh, we are back um, uh, for a couple of different episodes. Uh, both of us recently traveled to some conferences, and so we wanted to talk about those conferences, uh, how it went for us. So we're going to start with... Uh, uh, your conference on ETS and uh, what that was like. But before we get into that, I'm just wondering, you know, pandemic traveling, how was it for you? Did it go smoothly? It was really smooth. I don't know. I, I kind of like it this way. There was not a lot of traffic. <laughs> and, and I traveled around, I mean, close to Thanksgiving time. Not really, I guess a week before, but uh, it wasn't bad at all. And uh, even having to wear the mask, uh, it was no big deal you know, if you have a cup of coffee in your hand, you know, they don't say anything. You can put the mask down and drink your coffee. And <laughs> so it was uh, light traffic. Uh, everything went really smoothly. And then you did go to the land of the free. So what was the state you went into? I went to Texas. That's right. And I don't think the pandemic's there. So I'm not sure <laughs> what's going on anywhere else in this country. But uh, definitely there was no pandemic in Texas. <laughs> So where was where was your conference, by the way? Uh, it was in Greensboro, North Carolina. Oh, there's no pandemic there no, either. that far in the East Coast? No. No. Oh. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> well, let's get into this episode and talk about ETS. I think it would be helpful uh, to define what is ETS? What does it stand for? Extraterrestrial. No, that's not it. That's just ET. Uh, ETS is the Evangelical Theological Society. And uh, it's uh, just a, a society of evangelical scholars throughout the nation, I think, and Canada, I believe, is uh, how the association works or the society works. And we have a we have a uh, one major conference per year that brings the whole society together, and then there are a bunch of regional conferences uh, around uh, just around the United States that uh, meet. I think once a year as well, so that you, you, if you want, you can get to a couple of conferences a year. I've never done the regional ones, uh, but I try to do these, uh, the national ones each year if I can. And so who, what kind of crowd does this bring in as you think about it being a society? What, what's the makeup look like? Yeah, the makeup really is a bunch of nerds getting together. Bunch of geeks. That's about right. Uh, so, <laughs> um, no, it's just, uh, you know, a lot of them are, uh, most of them I would say are either professors or, or independent scholars, but then there, there have been, uh, in many cases, a lot of pastors that attend okay. as well. And you do get guests of the society. So to be a member of the society, a full member, I believe you have to have, um, at minimum, a THM, a master of theology degree. 
Um, so some people, based on their degree, can't necessarily become a member, but they can come to the conference as a guest. Okay. Um, so a lot of professors, a lot of pastors, a lot of students, mm-hmm. theological students that attend. Um, and so a lot of them who are just getting started will try to uh, present papers, and you know, that's what they encourage you to do when you're in the doctoral program. So uh, it's an interesting makeup, and uh, a lot of time to connect with old friends, mm. um, to be honest. So it's a good good time. Yeah, I think I've been to one of them in San Antonio oh. uh, when I was at Dallas Seminary. Okay. So another student of uh, that I was in school with, we decided let's just drive down there. You know, it's like a five-hour drive from Dallas to San Antonio, something like that. And I don't remember anything other than it was, like you said, just... A bunch of nerds? A bunch of nerds, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If I read some of the titles of the papers, you'll be like, what is going on? But you, in your one semester there at Dallas, you you drove down? Wasn't it one semester? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, we drove down because it was happening and we could go and I wanted to just see what it was all about. Nice. Um, And I just remember there was one paper being presented and it was a packed out room. Yeah. Um, and we couldn't get in. So, so when you, when you went to it and you go to a conference, it's a little bit different than other conferences that have mainline speakers, your messages, right? So what does the makeup look like of, of your day uh, at this conference? Good question. So, I mean, this is, this is the kind of conference that this is not really for inspiration. (laughs) So, so, I mean, scholarly inspiration, definitely, but not, not necessarily for inspiration. You're not going there to be refreshed and and filled with truth preached to you, mm. proclaimed to you. Um, although some of the papers are truly, really refreshing, but really the way that makeup is this, you got um, three days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Okay. And the basic schedule is that you'll have morning and afternoon panels and, uh, or, or you can call them sessions or panels. And each of those panels is about four, four and a half hours uh, or something like that. I think it's maybe about four hours. And that's usually the, the basic makeup is there's four papers that are going to be presented. Okay. Um, and papers presented on generally a related topic, at least thematically related. They'll present a paper. Literally, they'll read. Usually, they'll just read their paper. <laughs> um, they read their paper, and then there's some time for Q&A. Okay. Uh, and then a little break, and then the next guy comes up. Uh, sometimes there will be two or three papers and then a panel discussion. Uh, on the topic Um, and sometimes they do a little bit different formatting but usually so it's a a morning uh, panel uh, afternoon panel and then they have we have three plenary sessions that's on the main theme for the week Mm. and the theme this last time was poverty and wealth oh interesting yeah so they bring in plenary speakers that will address the whole society um at three different times. So one on Tuesday, one on Wednesday, uh, one on Thursday. And that's when everyone kind of comes together. It's it, again, there's no worship. It's kind of strange. There's, I don't, I don't even remember one session. There was a prayer, which is strange at an evangelical event, but because it's an academic scholarly event, you can um, still pray. You would think that they should, right? My brother and I were commenting (laughs) on it. It'd be nice, you know, to have more of that, but, um, yep. So, Okay, so wealth and poverty. Right, was the main theme, uh, overall theme. So I'm intrigued because so we didn't talk about this before and we yeah. haven't, haven't downloaded on how these conferences went. So, <laughs> so w- what came out of that? What do you remember from those talks and what they were addressing? So let me say this. Um, 
now you now you caught me red-handed and I, and I, I have no escape um i generally don't go to the plenary session oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> and and so one of the reasons was as a friend of mine i'm not going to name him so that you know he's not incriminated as well but he was saying hey you know that those papers get printed in that following edition of the oh, Chet's okay. Uh, okay, journal. Yeah, so yeah. it's going to come out. Um, so I did go to the first one, and it was a, a pretty interesting one. He was just kind of giving overall, looking at the theme of uh, kind of what God provides. He was looking at the land. He was looking at Eden and then the fall and how kind of he connected poverty with the fall, obviously, yeah. and... The, the promise that God will provide again, kind of new creation promises and things. So he was doing an overarching biblical theology, uh, one of the speakers. Um, and I'm not sure what the other ones uh, did in terms of their plenary sessions. Okay. But we, I did go to some sessions that were uh, connected to the theme, but from a particular perspective. So for instance, I went to a Puritan theology okay. panel where one of the, uh, papers was uh, on an early Puritan response to poverty. Okay. And he was looking at this pastor who, Puritan pastor, who felt very compelled uh, to be pr- to provide for the poor. And it was just kind of looking at his life and the way he brought the whole congregation in on these kinds of mercy ministries toward the poor. And so, uh, so again, some of these panels would address the topic from a different, from a particular angle, uh, and this one was a Puritan angle, for instance. Did they connect the gospel in addressing poverty, or was it mainly how do we alleviate the suffering that people are in being impoverished? Good. So, so the plenary session, the one that I did go to, was an attempt to give an overarching biblical theology and show how the gospel is addressing poverty, but not just physical poverty and what yeah. he, what this guy was doing i thought it was very interesting is he he wanted to make sure he, he wanted it was like a corrective he was saying some of us who think the the gospel is just about the immaterial the soul yeah and forget that it has uh in, implications for this life um that's one problem but then he said the social gospel on the other side mm-hmm. is a significant yep. problem as well and so he was saying, "Hey, let's let's look at how Scripture unfolds this work of God um, for the poor, the needy, the marginalized, but it's always really redemptive. It's the gospel. It's Christ. Christ is their salvation." So, um, I thought he did a, a good job. The Puritan papers also were trying to show, "Hey, he connected his acts of mercy to okay. the work of grace uh, given to him and to the church." So. Um, but I'm sure there were some that I, again, there's so many papers presented. Uh, you don't get to all of them. Some of them seem to be more, I would have assumed at least that they were a little more social uh, gospel, to be honest. What happens to the papers other than going into the journal? Do some of these turn into bigger works? Um, so some of them are parts of bigger works. Okay. So um, in some cases, they, uh, uh, they will present, like one of the guys presented his paper and then he said hey just so you're aware this is going to become a chapter in an upcoming okay. work that we published next year and you're like oh okay cool let me look for the that work that book okay. that's going to come out um in other cases it will get printed in some journals N- all of these papers will not be printed in 
in jets, yeah. just the plenary sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some of them are just testing out their material, you know, like they're, they'll be saying, Hey, we're working on a commentary on Galatians mm. and here's an angle that we're looking at. And it's a test case. Like you present it and then you get all this feedback and it shapes you and, and helps you to hone it and, and prepare it for publication. We should do that with our sermons. <laughs> I, I wish <laughs> if we had the time. I know. That'd be great. So were there any well-known uh, writers there, theologians that... Uh, <laughs> There's always th- some of the well-known guys there. I, I, I didn't see him this time. I'm assuming... Actually, no, Moeller was there. I, I, I yeah. missed the... He did the banquet. Uh, okay. He was the speaker of the banquet. I think he must have been the president then of ETS this year or something like that. Okay. Um, Moeller was there. The, the, the one that was getting a lot of press was William Lane Craig was presenting Uh, actually, (laughs) and was going to be responded to by uh, a a number of scholars on his historical Adam stuff. Okay. So he's just written a book where he has a very interesting view. I, I don't know if he comes outright and affirms evolution or not, but he, he will, he basically says that, uh, you know, Adam was, I guess, like a Neanderthal or something like that. So he's got a very interesting new take <laughs> and people were responding okay. to him. So he presented and then others. I, I didn't go to that one just because, mm. honestly, it wasn't of great interest to me. But that was going to be my question. I know there's always controversial topics. Yeah. There was always these ideas that they're putting out there. So were there any others that you remember other than and his paper you know i didn't i normally try to go to the controversial yeah. ones and i didn't this okay. time <laughs> which might be i'm maturing or i don't know what's happening but uh so i i'm not sure i know a big thing leading up to ets this year um but i don't know if any p- papers were presented i didn't see any at least or, or any that were that seemed controversial or at least some sort of debate format but uh, the big issue has been a lot of the trinitarian stuff that's going on and there are some people that are promoting what's called eternal subordination of mm-hmm. the sun, where they're really saying that there is an ontological essential subordination of the son, the second person of the Trinity yeah. to the first, to the father. And that's not the classical perspective. That's not the historic Orthodox position. And so that's been getting a lot of press recently. Um, so again, we might want to do a, I think we talked about it in one of our, we were looking at the confessions. We talked about how that's an important theme. Maybe we did. I can't remember, but uh, it'd be, it'd be great to bring someone on to talk about that. But I know that was getting some press this time around. Okay. Uh, What edified you at this conference? I know you said that you're not going there to be inspired, but at the (laughs) same time, if you're thinking theologically and you're taking it all in, you are edified with just, wrestling with truth wrestling with ideas how people are presenting ideas so what what was helpful and edifying i mean there were a number of the papers themselves and this and the panels that i thought were really helpful encouraging uh challenging um so there was one that i attended actually the very first one that i attended was on the canon and biblical interpretation okay so kind of asking the question do the does the order of the books in the Old Testament or in the New Testament matter, right? So we know that the mat it, the, yeah. the order of the testaments matter, yeah, <laughs> right, matters, right? You can't have the New Testament put before the old and then the old after. Um, and one of the comments was, "Hey, you know, 
Exodus coming before Genesis wouldn't work. Yeah. You know, order seems to matter. Mm -hmm. Um, But do we know if there is an, was there some sort of, the question that was being asked was, was there some sort of inspiration that led to the ordering of these books as the, the church had them, you know, or gathered the books all together? So we know that the scriptures are inspired, but is somehow the order of the books inspired? Is that going, is that using the word for another category that's probably not, not as helpful because it's coming from text of the words are inspired, but we're not inspired when we use, you know, we may have wisdom in what we're doing, but we're not inspired in anything we say. It's right. So, so that was, so there was a prison paper presented and then some respondents to that paper and the person presenting the initial paper was cautiously presenting it asking questions is there something going on there and the respondents were affirming or at least questioning as well and so it was a really great conversation because you want to keep the the categories distinct inspiration being its own category because the graphe the Mm -hmm. words are inspired Mm -hmm. um but you also think providentially at the very least that in God's providential care, these books have come to us in this order. And does that order matter? So one of the guys that was talking about the Old Testament order, he showed that the book of Ruth has been put in multiple places throughout history. Mm-hmm. You know, we have it now right prior to First um, Samuel, right? Yeah, Judges, then Ruth, then First Samuel. Mm-hmm. Um Sometimes it was put right at the beginning of the writing, so before the Psalms, and sometimes it was put after the Proverbs. Mm. And what was fascinating is he has said when it was put after the Proverbs, what it the sense it gave is that Ruth is the Proverbs thirty one oh, woman. Oh, interesting! Isn't that yes, fascinating? Yeah. Is it when you put it where it is currently, as we have it? It's this: hey, judges, they do what is right in their own eyes, but then Ruth there's hope yeah, because it's yeah. going to get us to the Davidic, you know, it's going to get mm-hmm. us to David. Um, if you put it before the writings, it had a different kind of sense to it. Now it didn't change the meaning, but it kind of gave you a different yeah. perspective. So that was part of the discussion too. Is it just that it's helping us hermeneutically or is it actually um, hermeneutically essential to have it in a particular location? So again, what a great discussion to have, yeah. even though we couldn't walk out of there with a firm conclusion. So that those kinds of papers I think are helpful getting me to think about again, what was God doing in history as he's putting, you know, as, as all the, his scriptures are brought together by the, yeah. the body of believers. Um, another thing that was edifying though, to be honest, was connecting with other uh, people that love God and love mm-hmm. his word. Some new friends that I made, that uh, you know pastors that are also scholars that we connected on different levels and then some old friendships rekindled um, which was great because we get to catch up and see what god has done in each other's Mm. lives uh over the years you know some of them i hadn't seen since or i hadn't connected with since i graduated from seminary so that was a fascinating time to to have coffee with a friend from seminary you know so nice so why why should a, a person go to this conference would it would a lay person benefit from a conference like this or would you recommend it to you know pastors elders that kind of the target audience that's a great question i i think it's uh i think 
that people that have kind of an academic bent, if they're, mm-hmm. you know, even if they're not pastors or scholars themselves, or even have an office in the church, but if they have that scholarly interest and bent, uh, I think it's a great place to go and kind of see what mm-hmm. that world is like. And so we connected with some from another one of our, uh, like uh, LA area churches. Okay. Some of the guys and gals were there, mm. um, that ha- are, are not pastors or some, some were, but, um, but they were there because they had this great interest in these kinds of things and they seemed to really enjoy their time. Mm. And that was encouraging. We got to talk. I asked them about papers they enjoyed. And so I would say, look, it's for people that uh, have this kind of scholarly academic interest would like to dig deeper into certain topics, theological, hermeneutical. I mean, some of them, you know, I would not even understand. I, I walk into some of these Old Testament, they're doing like, mm. you know, the, the Aramaic uh, or, or Ugaritic uh, word and why it's so important in the translation. Mm. You're like, what is going on? You know, um, but others, like I went to a, a, a paper on a, a session on bioethics. Mm. It was a professor walking through the vaccine. Interesting. He was talking about the vaccines that are developed from abortion derived fetal cell lines. Are we complicit in some sort of evil if we take the vaccine did he did he have a conclusion or did he leave it open oh no he he had a conclusion he actually even started by saying he'd been vaccinated oh interesting (laughs) Um, okay but but he he has i have the paper with me i'll I'll show you afterwards roger (laughs) but he he laid it out quite uh effectively and in my opinion convincingly Mm. um and he articulated why we're not complicit in some sort of evil participating in this um so that was a great one then there was another bioethics one same same session on memory modifying treatments Hmm. he's talking about psychology and some of the new treatments that are out there now they're not currently in use but there's this potential of in order to treat certain problems psychological issues that they have if they just cut out a memory right if they could, if the yeah, neuroscience yeah. could get to a place where it's, would that be ethically acceptable? And so this guy presented a paper on that. And I, again, it was fascinating. Something I'd never thought of, uh, never even imagined. Uh, so that was cool. Another one that was interesting. I went to a Christian ethics session okay. on um, uh, natural law. Okay. And why is natural law important and why we as Christians, Christians, his was coming from a Baptistic perspective, but he was saying, you know, why, why is it important to re to retrieve really natural law Mm -hmm. so that we can have effective conversations in the public sphere, Mm. drawing their attention back to something that we know from the word of God they have, which is an awareness of God, whether they believe in the Bible or not. So again, that was an interesting, it's uh, a presuppositional type of thinking. I, I, Maybe I think he was more going after this, uh, what some presuppositionalists actually avoid, which is natural law. They want to start with scripture. Yeah. He's saying, no, let's start with the fact that the law of God is written on the hearts of man, every man, and that everyone, no one is with an excuse, right? Yeah. Um, so again, that, interesting, interesting paper on that. So the one we want to really know is. What did you not like or disagree with? Was there oh, any man. paper where you're like, okay, the, I, 
I completely disagree with where he's going or where. I mean, I feel bad to this this, this poor guy. So there was one one gentleman that that presented a paper. It was a panel on Galatians, and the panel itself was overall really good. Okay. Uh, but he presented a paper, and part of it was there were technical difficulties because he didn't come. He was doing it from online. Oh, live stream. Okay. Live stream, Zoom, something yeah. he was doing. Um, so some of it was technical difficulties. But the other thing was his hermeneutical approach was he, he they gave this uh, – I can't even remember what it was called. I, I have it written somewhere. But it was a new method that basically w- was a way of counting – how many times terms were used. Uh, so like an objective attempt at hermeneutics, like we're going to count the number of times this particular word is used to see if that's really a prominent theme or not and see where it's located and where it comes in the text. And so is that, so he was literally doing, they were counting and then coming up with uh, a way of saying, a way of evaluating by virtue mm. of, its frequency term, the frequency of certain terms. So for the book of Galatians, he was looking at like the word law and and Mm -hmm. those kinds of things. So theoretically, I guess it makes sense. uh, But there were some things that just didn't, it just, it didn't, it didn't seem helpful. And when questions were asked by the other panelists to him, he just seemed to not have any good answers. It was literally, I'm counting to see, if it's important or not, but they were bringing up good questions. Like there were certain terms that we know are important there. Um, I can't remember which ones now they were bringing up, but they are not used. They're, they're referenced like one or two times, but they're a very prominent theme. And you're saying just because the word isn't used that somehow it's not going to be prominent. So how do we fit that? You know, is this attempt at objective interpretation helpful at all? Or, you know, or is it really just a, gimmick so i thought it was just a gimmick okay <laughs> <To be honest. laughs> it's uh yeah that's interesting if you think about how that word is repeated you know a word is repeated and there's emphasis that he's trying to bring out yeah but to take it down to multiple levels to see word structure that could yeah that could yeah. lose the main overall themes you know getting so narrow into what you're what you're looking at yeah and it, you can't make the the Science of hermeneutics, it's not mathematical. It's not yeah. formulaic. Um, you know, it's not just the word, but it's the context in which the word is used, and it's the way the author is using it, and it's, you know, even the affect that you get from the, pre- the previous context. So there's so much more than what a computer can do, right? A computer's analyzing it, and that just seems a little gimmicky to me. But you can sell books and make movies about that. It, it's great. It's a good, yeah, AI interpretation, the new hermeneutic. I don't know. Yeah, we could. Well, great. Anything else from the conference you want to share uh, that you think would be helpful for our listeners? A couple of quick things. One, the bookstore is amazing, Mm. and the discounts are phenomenal. Do they (laughs) have books that normal people would read, not just? They have some. Okay. They have some. (laughs) Uh, I, I, I bought quite a few, and and all different kind of topics okay. and uh, really interesting stuff. So that was good. That was a good Do you thing. remember a title of one of the books you bought? Uh, well, I, I, I took a picture so I could talk to you about it. Um, <laughs> let me let me get to it real fast here. But I took a picture of all the books I bought. Um, one of them, 
uh, that I that I bought that with great interest, almost I'm done with, is When Doctrine Divides the People of God. Ooh, that's an intri- intriguing title. Fascinating book so far. Really good book. Interesting. Uh, then I got um, Shriner's new book on the book of Revelation, The Joy of Hearing. He's done a book on... We're waiting for the sermon series. Not happening anytime <laughs> soon. Uh, and then there was another one, Discontinuity to Continuity, Ooh. a book that covers just the different perspectives, dispensationalism to covenant theology. Who wrote that? This is by a guy named Benjamin Merkel. Really okay. great book so far. Again, that one. Um, and a few other ones too, but the other one I got was 50 Ethical Questions mm. by that guy that uh, gave the paper on the vaccine. So bookstore is great. That's a good one. The other thing I would say is the connections, the time with other yeah. scholars and pastors, talking to them, people from around the nation, and getting to talk to them about just kind of what's going on in their own context and community uh, was really wonderful. Mm. And uh, I'm always encouraged by that. And uh, so uh, community, fellowship, these are these are good things. I got to hang out with my brother, so that's always fun, too. Yeah, that's great. Great summary of it. I think conferences are always refreshing uh, in many different ways uh, yeah. for our souls and are good for us to attend Yep. Uh, to help encourage us. Yeah. So, well, great. We hope uh, you enjoyed this episode of the Rod and Stad Podcast. Rod and Staff Podcast, if I can talk. Uh, Feel free to subscribe, share with your friends, and we hope that we will see you next time. If you enjoyed this episode of the Rod and Staff Podcast, please subscribe and share with others. For more information or to contact the host with questions or comments, please send email correspondence to feedback at rodandstaff.org. That is feedback at rod, the letter N, staff.org dot org.